Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We record Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, the organization has more than 5,500 employees and includes eight hospitals, more than 100 clinics, urgent cares, and professional centers. Its flagship hospital, Oxner LGMC, is the region's only level two trauma center and one of two teaching hospitals in Acadiana. Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and makes caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General maintains its commitment to keeping care local and making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, please visit oxner.org Lafayette. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lafayette-based Vimed, a national leader in post-acute respiratory care and sleep therapy. Vimed currently serves over 96,000 patients throughout the U.S. and employs nearly 1,000 people, including hundreds of dedicated respiratory therapists who help those diagnosed with COPD breathe better. Vimed is committed to empowering people to live their life, the company's motto. Visit Vimed.com for info about how they can help you breathe or sleep better. Our guest today is Dr. Edmund Dugas, Research Coordinator for the Athletic Network at UL Lafayette. Ed graduated from USL in August 1962 and went on to earn a master's and doctorate in physical education and education. He served on the UL faculty in a variety of positions and ranks from 1967 until retiring in 2001. But as you'll hear during this interview, Ed has been anything but a retiree in the past 20 years. Ed's life has been defined by athletics, both teaching and reporting on the athletic history of UL Lafayette through the Athletic Network, which provides a place for former university athletes and fans to connect and join support teams for their favorite sports. After a two-year hiatus, the Athletic Network went live again on December 13, 2023. We thought that the love of community exemplified by Ed Dugas made him the perfect person to be Discover Lafayette's first guest of 2024. Ed, welcome to our show. Good to be here. Yeah, so um, I just have such high regard for you, for your commitment to sharing the sports, you know, the, all the information about UL, and I guess it was SLI, then USL when you were there, and uh, and now UL Lafayette. I mean, you've been committed for decades. When I first came to the campus in the summer of 1958, it was SLI. Uh-huh. Years had passed since we had been going through the years of SLII, which was Industrial Institute, which was kind of a glorified elementary school. And we had grown up. Then in 1960, it was with pride that I carried my placard down St. Mary to push for the name of the university to be changed to USL. Really? Yes. 
Wow. That happened in 1960. We change our name every 39 years, from 22 <laughs> to 60, and from 60 to 99. And you've played an integral part in that. I mean, you've been in there. In 99, I was still on the faculty when mm-hmm. we became um, the University of Louisiana. Ronnie Lanchonet, who was in the business office, drove Dr. Audemars back from Baton Rouge where it had occurred. And Julie Dronet and other mm-hmm. people in the administration were busy calling up fans to come to Martin Hall to welcome Dr. Audemars back. And I did. And I told him I knew he was waiting for a special day. And he said, what was that? <laughs> I said, my birthday, <laughs> which is August 27th. Ed, gosh, 39 years. Isn't that yep. funny? And that was a hard fight to get that yes. change to UL Lafayette. I remember that. At the legislature, yeah, we, it was tough. We kept trying to change the name, and LSU was not going to allow it. I had been to some of those hearings because as executive director of the Louisiana Association of Health, Physical Education, Recreation, and Dance, um, we were fitness testing the legislature each year. And uh, Governor Edwin Edwards had never missed one of our events. And I went down. He was at the committee meeting room, and I had Cecil Picard go in and tell him that, you know, we needed him to come around 11. Mm -hmm. I said, somebody is in a position to break your Vols hand grip record. He sent word back, (laughs) I'll be there. Come, Be sure and come get. So I did. But he he was far— the name changed, but LSU was not. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. came up with this proposition where one other school in the UL system had to agree to a name change, and it would be Louisiana, University of Louisiana at McNeese if it was Lake Charles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nichols if it was Nichols, Northeast if it was Northeast, and Northeast because of political connections made the jump. Uh-huh. So it's Monroe. And then yeah. we became UL and ULM, yeah. who is traditionally our last football game uh-huh. each season. Right. So were you always interested in physical education and sports and, and trivia? You're really a master of yeah. you know so much information. I was in grade school and high school, but I went to a very, very small high school named Evergreen High School. I was wondering, what, what, where is that? It's between Bunky and Cottonport. I know you're very active with them yeah, still. We were, the, we were the smallest high school in the state. And, of course, I was a wannabe. We didn't have football. We ran track on the softball field. <laughs> and um, long story short, um, my senior year— I was going to become a member of the first class at the Air Force Academy. My sister and her husband, who had been a career Air Force person, uh, had worked hard to get me that appointment. Russell Long had appointed me. I had passed the uh, Mm. academic test, and I was ready to go, just waiting. But terrible things happened my senior year. My mother passed away from heart disease the very end of the first six weeks of my senior year. Mm. On Valentine's Day, the following year, uh, 1958, my high school burned down. It had just been remodeled that summer. Oh, my god. We gosh. lost the main building. We lost the home ec cottage, et cetera. We kept the cafeteria, the new gym, and the ag building. 
This allowed us to finish the school there. Mm -hmm. But in the process, Air Force Academy told me that I had to pass another physical exam because I was not popping my left eardrum the way I should. I was going to be a pilot. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. lo and behold, I, uh, I agreed to an operation. But at the end of the operation, they told me I'd have to give up basketball for the season. So I told them, you know, I'd think on it. And I went ahead, with, took the operation, and never told anyone, not my parents, not my principal, or anybody. Of course, when they came to evaluate the results of the surgery, I did not pass. Oh. They said, would you agree to a second surgery? I said, absolutely. But then I had to give up track, and there were only seven people on the track team, so mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. I was a four-event person. So <laughs> did the surgery again and you didn't take. did not pass. So the day my principal got the news, he waited for me after school and asked, how would I like going to Lafayette mm -hmm. the next day? I said, what's the purpose of going? He said, I'd like to go talk to my college roommate. I think he has some good advice for you. I never asked him anything about it. The next day, we're coming to SLI. His college roommate is Joel Fletcher, the president of the university. So we walked through Martin Hall thinking his office was there. His office was all the way across the quad in Mouton Hall. Hmm. And we went there and had a great visit had lunch at Vermilion Seafood Inn on the Old Bro Bridge Highway. And I said, man, if this is college, this is great. But reality sunk in the next week when I came as a first-time freshman. A bad, huh? You had to yep. crack down. Yep. So they recruited you. That was really oh, kind, yeah. you well, know? A lot had to do with my principal, you know, yeah, who was but still. roommate. But still, you yeah. know. So you, you studied physical education. Not really. My no? sister, being disappointed because I had not passed the test for the Air Force Academy, said, you have to get into engineering. You have a good mind. And mm -hmm. I did, but I just didn't like engineering. I stayed a semester or so. And everybody I talked to, I said, I really want to get an education. It all discouraged me from going into education. So I crept in, and my first semester in the spring, I went to elementary education. But by mid-semester, I had changed my mind because I was working for Dutch Reinhardt, who became a lifelong friend, my mentor, et cetera. And um, I changed to health and physical education and mm -hmm. changed my entire life. Yeah, it must have. So you, sta did. you stayed with that, and you worked yeah. at SLI uh, USL while you continued your studies. Right. I was a student worker in the department. We worked 100 hours a month. That's a lot, for $40 though. a month. $40 a month. You would go to the business office at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. They would give you your check. You would sign the back of it, give it back to them, and add $16, and you had your room, board, and laundry covered <laughs> for the next month. Wow. Which was fine. But what, what working for Dutch Reinhardt and our department head, Dr. Fred Brown, was so good that— um, it allowed me to do things, not just string tennis rackets or badminton rackets mm -hmm. or clean mats, but meet former athletes from the past, watch the basketball team practice every day. In fact, I watched so much basketball practice with Coach Shipley 
that when high school coaches started wanting to visit his practices because of the success he was having, he approached me one day on getting a chalkboard set up in the mezzanine area of Long Jim and giving them a little clinic on what his teams were doing Mm -hmm. while they were doing it. And I got to meet many high school basketball coaches that way. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time I was a junior, you could teach a class if you had good grades and the department wanted you, and it was a lab class, Mm -hmm. which was right down my alley. So I taught tennis, basketball, et cetera. And then when I graduated, I accepted an assistantship because I found out that no one wanted to hire a coach who hadn't played college football. And although Coach Falkenberry had been very good to me and let me watch film and let me see them plan mm-hmm. the practices, mm-hmm. it wasn't like being on the field. Are some of these emotions like still fresh? This is almost 60, what, four, 66 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you, it's yeah. it's amazing. This was in 60, 61, and 62. Yeah. So 60. And then when I was a three. graduate assistant— uh, I did things like the clinic for children that had developmental problems. By my sophomore year, I was already working with Dave Fisher for Mm -hmm. what they call the community tennis program. I'd taken tennis with Dave, and um, he. uh, it was so great to play tennis on a hard court because in Evergreen, you had to play on the grass court, which doubled as the basketball court for men and women until 1950. When our gymnasium was built, It'd be tough to keep up that, yep. huh? Yep. So I'm glad you brought up Dr. Fisher. I, I interviewed him. I mentioned you before we started taping. Yes. Um, I think it was 2020. I went to his home during COVID, and yeah. I, I don't think his kids knew. You know, <laughs> I just met him there, and we didn't tell yeah. anybody because everybody was worried. I mean, his, his advanced age, but he was just a firecracker. And uh, yeah. I'm glad I was able to meet him. And I know you two worked. He was a close, close friend. Actually, when I went in 1958 as a freshman, I worked for Dave. And it was his first year as a faculty member. He was intramural director and Uh taught health and physical education part-time. But then we just became friends. And by the time I started teaching with the department, everything worked fine. When I came back in 1967 to the health and PE faculty, um, Dave Fisher was in an office with four other gentlemen, and there was an empty desk in the corner for me, uh, Dr. Jim Kennison, Dr. Dave Fisher, Dr. Al Simon, uh, Fred Nelson, Clyde Wolf, and I. Wow. And it was a riot. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just—I actually look forward to going to work to be in the office with those people. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Athletic Hall of Fame people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about good writers, good teachers, uh, really uh, people of accomplishment, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, one time we put up a sign, uh, students, uh, enter at your own risk. And, of course, somebody ran and reported us to the dean who (laughs) called us, told us to take that sign down, which Mm -hmm. we did, you know. But it was that type of thing where— there were no walls between the offices. It was one large office. It's still like there that way. Yeah, like here in Raider. It was a softball yeah. office for years and years and the volleyball office uh-huh. for a while. 
But as you go into Long Jim, you take a left, go down, and before you go into the dressing rooms, take a left, you're in that office. Yeah. We're here taping with Jason Sikora. Jason, thank you for making us sound so good today. I want to tell you, and those people that may not know, Dr. Fisher, one of the ones you were talking about, Dave, your friend, he ended up at uh, SLI after the war. Yeah. And Jason, he had never seen a football game, never played. He made the football team and ended up. Being captain, yeah, first year, yeah, and he ended up being captain. I mean, those were (laughs) tough people. Not only first year, but he made it in both directions, offense and defense. And he could have played pro sports, but he stayed. He wanted to be married, and and he stayed here. You know, at a small town. Yeah, I mean, these were people that had really lived. They, y'all, had all been through a lot during that period. Was drafted by the Baltimore Colts, and I, I used to tease him about this. I said, Dave, I said, Shirley must have been a heck of a woman that had her her roots, her hooks really in you well because you could have been catching passes from Johnny Unitas. <laughs> and Dave was good. He tried out for the Olympic track team in the, in the hurdles. And um, he was one of those persons that was outstanding. He taught himself to play tennis. And for years and years— we had a noon tennis of the health and PE faculty. Mm-hmm. It grew so much, we had people in engineering, business office, library uh, that would come for the noon tennis. That's, oh gosh, would yeah. that be great? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. But, uh, Camaraderie. Dave was so committed to UL, mm-hmm. he would go to all the games and all of the sports. Uh, when the women went to the College World Series, he went. When the men went in 2000, he went. In fact, he brought Talk Shirley into going with him. Really? And had a great time. But uh, for all the football, home football games, he always had two spots and he always prepared all kind of food, which his family helped prepare, like mm-hmm. Dave Fisher, an ophthalmologist right there on South College. Uh, Dave would be uh, uh, cooking a pig or frying some fish or mm-hmm. something. And uh, the athletic network is full of tailgating pictures for every year. You're going to always see a bunch of yeah. Dave. And they still have that. The family oh, yeah. still Those tailgates. Those pictures are all up. All the right. tailgating. We have about 20 years of tailgating pictures. Wow. They're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Now, Ed, you know, I love talking about your friends. We're here to talk about you. And I know it's hard <laughs> for you because you love sharing other people's accomplishments. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to ask just a couple of questions. I went through— all the things you've done, and I don't really know where to start. One thing that jumped out at me was you served on the Governor's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports under four different governors. Yeah. So how did that come about? How did you end up? Uh, the first uh, term I served was um, because we wanted to do something to to get physical education and fitness to be more visible. Mm-hmm. I was the first director, executive director of the Louisiana Association for Health, Physical Education, Recreation, and Dance. And if you can say all that in one <laughs> breath, you're fit, you know? Because the health— At least you're mentally fit. The, the health and the recreation and the dance people would run me out of town if I didn't mention their names. Are you a dancer? No, not, no. not really. <laughs> Fred I have two left feet, to say the least. But anyway— um, we started doing that, and it, it was we held it at LSU, and we invited 
parishes and schools to have little teams, and we showed them that we could do a state fitness meet. Not a track meet, and we invited kids of all abilities. We said, be selective, but bring anybody that wants to come. And the first time we did it, you could look at the LSU parking lot and see wow. school buses from all over the state. Mm -hmm. They just loved it. When was that? You know what year? That was, yeah, that was about the mid to late 80s because uh, Kevin Falk from Karen Crow High yep. was a member of the uh, LSU football team then and was taking kinesiology classes with some of the people that I knew at LSU. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they helped us a lot administering the meet. But uh, Rudy Macklin, who was a great LSU basketball player, was our executive director, and Rudy did an excellent job. And um, it grew so well that the governors coming in were told, hey, you better keep that group because they're moving things along. And so that's how it stayed uh, other than uh, Governor Edwards, you know, who, who really learned what the individual people were doing and, and how he wanted to learn more about them. Mm -hmm. And he just didn't want to rubber stamp it. And um, So he was governor when this started. Yes. And then um, Romer. Yeah. Were you under Romer yeah. also? And then— um, Foster? And who was next? Yes, I think so. Mike Foster. But um, I never did ever talk to them about an appointment or anything like that. It just came from other people. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But um, that and being the executive director of the LHPERD— was extremely gratifying because uh, once a year I made it a point to visit every university and visit with their students and attempt in my own way to challenge them. So much so, the last two or three years I was executive director, we started a project called Majors Fitness. And what we did, we took some way-out fitness activities, and every time we had a state or a region, like for us it was a southern district, 13 states, or nationally, we would have our majors come in, do a program just for them instead of letting them follow professional people around, and let them be tested individually, but yet work for their group. Mm -hmm. So the first year we did it nationally was 1990, and we did it because I think my buddies put me up to it from the other states because we were the host state. It was at the Superdome at the time, mm -hmm. and we did major superstar competition, and they had like five events, everything from crazy bat to you <laughs> name it. And there were so many good relationships that students developed with other universities mm -hmm. that it was really the top activity of the convention that year in 1990. And that brought joy and to so many they people. They just had huh? a great time competing yeah. with each other. And yet, I remember Northeast had a tremendous all-American tackle in football, and they brought him over like, man, I'm ready to really set the world on fire. We're going to win these things. Well, he did crazy bat, and when he did crazy bat, he got so drunk, he went into a crowd and stumbled on a chair and never came back 
because he did himself in with the crazy bat. So he disqualified himself. It was something himself. that yes. you had never done before. For instance, we had one call, event called Paper Putt, and we would have the majors tape a roll of toilet tissue in such a manner where the first end was loose, then a little tighter, and a little tighter, and a little tighter. By the time they got up there with a golf club, which they had to do left-handed. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had never done this before. They would get it left-handed or opposite hand, and then as they'd hit it, it'd make a big curve, big turn. So they would have to adjust their putting. Well, by then, you had to go to school in the first two or three hits or you weren't going to do anything. Mm -hmm. But they had such a good time. I remember uh, maybe Louisiana Tech had a guy on that golf team, and they had put him there because he was going to win the putt-putt. <laughs> well, when he got through with the paper putt-putt, he had put it somewhere under the chairs and couldn't find his, his roll of toilet paper. You and know? some of them probably needed to be brought down a notch yes, anyway. Yes, huh? they did that it's for humbling. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you, you've been beloved at uh, UL, and I want to get this in. In 1988, you were one of three graduates selected as outstanding graduate from the USL College of Education. And that was, I guess, the 20, 25th year. After 25 you years after you, after you graduated. The college does that. Uh, yeah. 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 It was kind of special that year because one of my classmates was Kathleen Blanco. Oh. Kathleen had taught only one year at Brobridge High, and then Raymond had her some kind of other job that was kind of political in nature. <laughs> um, it was a community thing, mm -hmm. but there was some political undertones to it, and uh, it was a good thing for her, she, and she was good at it. And um, the committee had a decision because— Virgil Dronet from McNeese, who was a technology whiz, had been put up. I had been put up, and you could only go two people. Oh. So what happened, they had been in the process of planning a community outreach award where a person had finished an education but did other things other than, quote, just teach. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to minimize just teaching, but they'd done some other productive type of work for the community. So Kathleen And she was the that. first one yeah. to get that award, and we were all happy for that her. That worked out. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, in uh, 1996, you carried the Olympic torch, wow. uh, and it says Main Street, Opelousas, and Courthouse. I'm not sure what this is, as it made its way through Acadiana and on to Atlanta. That was a big Olympic year. Yeah, it was. And, you know, um, the Olympic torch, once it hit the West Coast— uh, every time it moved, that torch had to be lit. And you have the torch lit, and you have an escort runner, and you have, I'm going to say, four to six state troopers, and your route is planned by them. They tell you don't adjust. The thing. Well, you couldn't. But anyway, they have, you know, a caravan ahead of you. You just follow the yellow brick road. Mm -hmm. But what happened is uh, Hollis Conway— who was then our Olympic two-star winner, two-medal winner, was going to carry it in Lafayette. But I was surprised because I was the only faculty member from UL, and I knew there were other deserving people. But actually, um, I went into the meeting at the Alumni Association. When they called their names, you could knock me over with a feather. You I didn't, was, like, apply for this? They just selected you? Um 
I don't think you could apply because uh, the title they give, I don't know if it's correct in all situations or not, but it's a community heroes designation. Oh, oh I know what it was. Uh, United, give, United Way did it because I talked to the person about three weeks ago, and she reminded me that was how we met, uh-huh. that I, I guess maybe they did it. I'm not sure. They selected you. Uh, they what selected an honor. people. Uh-huh. And they, they selected several other people from in the community. Well, what happened, our softball team was playing in Florida. And as it turned out, they played the afternoon of the torch relay. And the way the torch relay works, you carry the torch for a third to a half mile, depending on the person. They script all that. And you go and you light the next torch, Mm -hmm. then you extinguish your torch Mm -hmm. And they take off. Well, what happened, uh, Alfred Lampson was our big torch relay person. And I was going to light his torch between the Catholic Church and the courthouse. And Adley Castile was going to come in with his uh, fiddle-playing musician skills and what have you. And he was going to ride some type of antique automobile up to the courthouse, and then Lampson would peel off and do what they call the courthouse ceremony, mm-hmm. which is the, the in each parish they try to end with a courthouse-type ceremony. Well, we all got on the bus after the meeting in the theater, and every once in a while this young lady would come up to me and she said, Ed, Mr. Lampson is still not here we have people at the theater waiting for him. We contacted the sheriff's department, Opelousa City Police. Do you know where he is? I, I, I could say in all honesty that I didn't because at the meeting before that, he and Bob Lowe were doing this on the side. Mm-hmm. And while they yeah, were doing King. this and yeah. they came to him, I said, I do not want to know. If I don't know, I can't say and I can't fabricate. Oh. So I let them be. And uh, they told me, they said, you'll be surprised, you know. Well, sure enough, the day of the run comes up, and she keeps coming back. And finally, we're turning at the church, and she says, Ed, would you mind carrying for your leg, which was I think was going to be six-tenths of a mile, and Mr. Lamson's leg, which is going to be like four or five-tenths. Uh-huh. I said, hey, I'll carry this thing to Baton Rouge if you I want, because that was the next stop. Yeah. And she said, if you can get it to the courthouse, that would be great. Mm. I don't know what happened to Lamson. I said, I don't either. Now, I did find out after the next day, he had talked Bob Lowe into agreeing to, once he was carrying the torch on Bertrand Drive, to let Lamson sneak in right behind the state troopers and carry the torch like he was an escort runner. And he carried it a little ways. His family got to see it, maybe around Fatima. And boom, off he's gone uh-huh. to Florida. He left for Florida? He left for Florida to watch <laughs> the women's softball team play. I see. That was his first commitment, yeah. his mm-hmm. first obligation. So anyway, I carried it. And lo and behold, when we went in the theater before we started, they talked about a young man who was going to be an escort runner. And they called the name out of a young guy who had the same last name as one of my former students when I was at UL. And lo and behold, he was my escort runner. So right as we started the run, I said, hey, listen, 
I have extra mileage. You're going to carry the torch. Oh, he said, I, I don't want to get in trouble with mm -hmm. these people. I said, you're not going to get in trouble. I said, listen, when we get to such and such a point, I'm handing it to you. I have pictures and video of Gosh. him carrying the torch. Yeah. He was an outstanding track man from Erath High School. Uh -huh. Before I get off Lamson, I'd like to say one more thing about him. When I was a senior at UL, Alfred Lamson and Dr. Louis Cousin, whose son George later became a quarterback for us when we went to the Grantland Rice mm -hmm. Bowl, they convinced me that I had coaching material. Oh. I was definitely coaching material. To really develop that material, I need to coach the little basketball team at Hamilton Lab School. Oh, I see. So I did. I realized after that where their hook was. Yeah. Lamson's son played for me, uh -huh. and it was a great experience. We were the school with no gym, but Dutch Reinhardt, my mentor, came through, and he would let me have the key to long gym on occasions, mm -hmm. and we could practice. Jason, that was a really renowned elementary school and missed, yep. you know. but It the, was an outstanding school. The USL teachers send their kids there, and many, uh, many yep. successful people went there, and it Alfred was Lamson was a— um, highly esteemed and um, successful oil man. I mean, he was probably much more than that, but he yeah. was really very successful and supported the, the university. We have a section in the um, reunions and special programs where you can go down to the College of Ed Academic Showcase, mm -hmm. and people were encouraged to write letters, and we received 147 letters. Those letters are all posted. Some of those people were people who had graduated from Hamilton Lab School years earlier, mm -hmm. and they documented their experiences. That's some powerful history. Right, right. Yep. Well, you're, you're full of history. Before we <laughs> get into the athletic network, I, I wanted to bring up one more thing. After you retired in uh, 2001, mm -hmm. you organized the um, Beryl Shipley reunion, and uh, Coach Shipley was just renowned. And I know yeah. there had also been some— controversy about his tenure, but if you want to just touch on what got you to do this and how did that sure. go? Sure. Coach Shipley was outstanding in many ways, but one thing that he insisted on is every Sunday morning, he was in the parking lot between B.O. Hall, the biology building, and Long Gym. Any, any of his basketball players or former athletes who wanted or needed to go to church, he would take them. Did that for years and years. But Coach Shipley, according to a lot of the people, and I'm not saying North Louisiana in a derogatory way, it's just that's where the people who were against him were from. People from South Louisiana knew Coach Shipley and accepted what he was doing. But he to was them, integrating the sport. Coach Shipley yeah. broke the color line. Right, he integrated. He recruited the sport. black athletes. Mm -hmm. Uh, basketball players, he broke the color line, and then had all kind of success. But he had success because he was a hard-nosed coach. Uh, Dean Church, our first All-American in basketball, played for Coach Shipley his first two years. And Coach Shipley didn't like his attitude during that second year. And he went and went up one side and down the other and told Dean he was no longer welcome on the team. Now, this was a guy who was your MVP, outstanding score and everything. He said, this team would be better off without you. 
And he sent him home and sent the assistant coaches to escort him out of town to make sure he didn't come back. Was that Tom Cox? Was he one of the assistants? Not Not yet. Uh Not yet, but Mm -hmm. close. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened is the following year, we played in Kentucky near Lexington. And Dean went to the game and after the game went to the hotel And it took him about two hours to get up the courage to go knock on Coach Shipley's door. And if you will listen to Dean talk about the first reunion, the Shipley reunion in 2001, he will say, by the way, when I came back the following year, did y'all ever see Coach have a dirty car or have some (laughs) shoes or have some shoes that weren't shined? And that's because... Coach had read him the riot act. Uh-huh. Dean came back 100% better. In 1964, his senior year, he was voted the outstanding athlete in the state, not just basketball, all sports. Wow. Gosh. I was so happy to. Mm-hmm. Dean passed away in 2014. It was. I was so fortunate to be able to count him yeah. as, as a blessing and a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to UL as a what we used to jokingly call a hardshell Baptist. Simply, he was Protestant. He had been brought that way. But he met Sally, and he and Sally planned on getting married, and he converted to Catholicism. And Coach Shipley was his best man when Dean oh. and Sally got married wow. in Wisdom Chapel. And when the hurricane hit the Catholic Church in Luling, the last big one, it wiped out the church. And Dean went to the priest and said, Father, what do you like? To, what would you like to do? And the priest told him, I'm going to think and pray on it. Come back and see me tomorrow. Dean went, and he says, we would like to rebuild. He said, Father, you draw up the plans, and I'll see if we can raise the money. Mm-hmm. And he did. Gosh. When I went to his funeral, the priest said, I could say this is the house that Dean built, and I would be telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Your love of sports, I guess, is what motivated you to start the Athletic Network. Yep. So, you know, I asked you before we started taping, is the university involved? Who pays and all? And I want you to talk about this. As it's your volunteer yeah. effort. Well, it all started with Coach Shipley's reunion, which started in the top 28, because while we had the top 28, he and I would meet every night and different coaches and former players would come by and we'd talk. And uh, two of his players leaned on me pretty heavily about, look, we, we got to do something with Coach Shipley. He was having some real health issues then. And I said, okay, so I agreed to the reunion. And what we found out at the reunion was Coach had a bunch of phone numbers. And um, we took those numbers and we started getting addresses. Mm-hmm. We sent a little mail out. And in no time, people are going cuckoo over a reunion. They'd never had one. With all the success he had had Mm -hmm. in the 60s and 70s, this was now 2001. Right. Well, 95 former players returned. Coaches, managers, trainers, cheerleaders, you name it. The first night was a Friday night. We had it at Acadian Village because it was we could have unlimited space. Mm. 
And Jerry Moe, who was then president of Slimco, uh, cooked a jambalaya with Larry Bouillon, who cooked it for St. Thomas More for years and years and had a physical therapy business in town with Expedi Laparus. <laughs> anyway, um, it was great. But we knew the next night we were going to have some problems because we had sold 400 spaces and the ballroom at that time at the Hilton could only handle 400. It was a packed house, but we let everyone that we could possibly get in. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we learned is that if you work at it, you can kind of put Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> and this was in November of 2001, November 2nd and 3rd. In a three-month period, we raised over $50,000 and established a scholarship that still exists at the university. Because of Dolores's health issues and Coach Shipley's, those scholarships go to students that have mended heart problems. It's called the Shipley Mended Heart Scholarship. Mended heart. I think heart. this past year we awarded three students oh. that had special needs. But the long and short of it is that we realized we could put Humpty Dumpty together again with volunteers. You can't depend on athletics to do it. They're busy trying to win the next game. Mm -hmm. you, you just have to find the right people. So I talked to my son, John, who had helped me a lot, and my other son, Paul. And lo and behold, we came up with a scheme where we thought we would do a website Mike Spears, who at that time was owner of Firefly Digital, mm -hmm. had done a little quickie website to show that night at the program, which he did. Everybody loved it. I said, Mike, we're going to draft something for you. John came to Thanksgiving dinner that year in 2001, and I had a rough draft on about four or five pages, a la Dutch Reinhardt, which means a legal pad with yellow pages <laughs> that fade from time to time. Mm -hmm. The website was sketched out much of what it is today. And what we did, I took it to Mike, and he liked it. I took it to Liz Landry, who was then development and alumni director. She wore several hats, mm -hmm. and she says, this would be unbelievable if you could do it, but it's there's so much. The first... The first 13 people, I think I'm correct on that, that I went to said, Ed, it's, it's too much, it's too big, it's too awesome. No staff, all volunteers, don't know how. And define your mission with the Athletic Network. What was your initial It was mission? to communicate with former athletes and support groups as well as have them communicate with the university and the university with them mm -hmm. and to preserve the history of their team. So people could send in your vision. They could send in photos. Right. They could mark milestones. We It took us almost 12 years, but we went in and scanned every yearbook from the first one to the 1920 yearbook. What was the first one? The 18? Um, did it go that I far think back? it was uh, 1914, if 1914. I'm not It could be 1912. I have a, a collection at home in my outdoor kitchen because wow. I was a yearbook fanatic collector. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And um, sometimes it was 
the, the only thing the yearbook editor put in was a picture of the team. You know, yeah. it's like people think that we're going to start softball uh, back in the 60s. And I said, no, we might come up with a new name for our softball team. So what do you mean? I said, well, we had an indoor softball girls team back in the, the teens and the 20s. Really? They played softball. Inside. It actually was, I think, a big cabbage ball. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. but, but still, yeah. it was a soft ball. Ball, yeah. The softballs they play with now, those are like bricks, you right. know? Right, right. But anyway, um, so we started planning and charting and plotting. And on May 2nd, 2002, uh, Dr. Audemont gave me an opportunity to visit with him. And at that time, I shared with him. I didn't give him the five-page yellow outline. I just talked to him about what we would like to do mm -hmm. and have it built by the athletes and the support group themselves, not somebody top-down building something for them, but having them submit their information. Mm -hmm. We process it and what have you. And so he agreed and I said, I'll let you know what the next step is. And I contacted him in the middle of the summer, and I said, we're going to be ready before fall starts. So on August 28th, because I didn't want to do it on my birthday, <laughs> on August 28, 2002, we went active. We went to Cajun Field. It's on the athletic network. We went live, and we activated the site. Uh -huh. And the next, that, was that night, people started populating the site. And they could send it in They could themselves. send their stuff in, what have you. And wow. we went to town. We started posting news stories. Uh -huh. and, um, so Firefly really, Mike Spears, oh, it yeah. really helped yeah. you. Yeah. And it, a lot it was, of people. It was you. unbelievable. Plus, you can go on the Athletic Network now, and you can click News or News uh, Archives, and it'll show you a ton of years, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, what have you. And you click on a month, you want to see what was going on in December 1978. Mm -hmm. Well, all the stories that we posted for that year are there. Click on the headlines, and there's the story. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think how to ask this. So can you, can you look up a person, or is it more just archived by time? Yeah. If you, you go can, you to the Athletic Network in the upper left, we have four search engines. Okay. The first search engine has last name. Okay. You type in Fisher, mm -hmm. and you click the little red button on the side of Fisher, and all the fishes come up, not only their name, but their sport or support group or if they were a military veteran. Mm -hmm. And then you click on their name, and whatever profile they sent to us or whatever we could write up, is posted there for you. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I get your emails, and I know you did this for almost 20 years, and then the site went inactive yeah. in 2021. And I, I want to get in this name. I know you just came back up December 13th, I think, 2023. Yep. Yep. And uh, Bruce Bentley, right, was— was a big Bruce help Bentley. to you. Yeah, so, to, I mean, that was a very generous you, person. You may remember his mom, Dr. Doris Bentley. Oh, she, she was just such a solid person, had raised her family uh, as a single mother because of the untimely death of, of her husband. But she had a son named Bruce, 
who Coach Shipley recruited. And he recruited Bruce. He says, I know you're not a basketball player, but he recruited Bruce to be a manager who could double as a basketball player. He was that good. And so Bruce would dress out for the practices and for some of the games and just provided such strong glue to those teams during that time mm -hmm. because Bruce made the ultimate sacrifice. He didn't want anything. He wasn't looking for anything. He was picking up the dirty clothes and washing the uniforms, and yet he'd go out there on a moment's notice and help the team during practice. Mm -hmm. And he called me one time late in November, and I was looking at making it a historical site and not be active oh. because it was going to be difficult. Was financially. it financially to keep it up? And we're getting off the phone. And he says, oh, by the way, he says, what is your address? I want to send something to you. I said, well, Bruce, why don't you tell me what you want to send, and I'll, I'll give you the address that you need. He said, um, I want to send you a donation for the Athletic Network. It's going to be significant. It'll, it'll help you for some time. And he told me. And I said, hey, here's the address for the foundation. We don't like to touch any of the donations. They go there. They're, they're like our bank. Yeah. They write our checks for expenses, and they, um, they collect our funds. Mm -hmm. In this case, our fund, yeah. <laughs> our donation. What a beautiful gift. And uh, he was so happy to do it in his mother's name because his mother was such a firm believer in the athletic network. And I think primarily because of Bruce and Coach Shipley. Mm -hmm. And she taught in the College of uh, Business Administration. But right after I became, after I came to the campus, uh, within three years, I reluctantly accepted a job as coordinator of the men's division. Mm -hmm. All the guys who had taught me. I wasn't 30 years old. I couldn't spell administrator. I know I'm being facetious, but I didn't want administration. I, I like teaching my classes. I like my students, et cetera. And um, I did it. And one of the first people I called was Doris Bentley, just to talk to her because I'd served on the graduation committee mm -hmm. with her, and I knew she was well-grounded. She and Tom Mayer who for yeah. years had a garden on Congress close to Lafayette High mm -hmm. where he grew vegetables under black visqueen. And I learned a lot of gardening from him. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, she was just outstanding in so many ways. And Bruce wanted to make that donation, not just from his experience, but for his mom. So you're continuing to update yep. the site, and yep. that'll, that'll go on yep. for a We're while. We're going to update as much as we can. Uh, I have to tell you, it's a new ball game for us. The old method that we use to produce and make mm -hmm. changes is all different now. Is it? So we're having to learn software programs. Uh -huh. We're having to learn how to do them. And this is John and I from our homes in our spare time. You have any other volunteers? Um, not to help us on the site, mm -hmm. but we do have over 300 volunteers who help us 
have their nose to the ground, when we have obituaries, people in the mm-hmm. field dying, when we have a news story that maybe needs to be uh, posted. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we lose someone, yeah. if we didn't have a person posted but they belong on a certain team, that captain will tell us about it. And it's a, it's a neat hierarchy. You have a captain for a sport, then under that, they break down a captain for each decade, which doesn't strain anyone too much because all they have to work is one level. That captain for the decade gets two era captains, which are two five-year periods. They work with those two. The two era captains each get two captains for each year that's in their era. Mm-hmm. So they're like... Like the link of a chain, <laughs> but they don't have to move one heavy right. item to right. another. What a God, that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah, yeah that's, that's because it's so important. Well, so, are you still accepting donations if somebody would like to contribute? Uh, what we're probably going to do, we've discussed this a little bit, is wait till sometime in the spring. I know that's when people are thinking IRS, but sometime in the spring where we can ask for modest donations. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have people. When I was chairman of the Heart Association, I used to have to ask for money. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ashna told me always, there's a way to do it. He said, Ed, you don't ask them to give till it hurts. But he said, it's got to tingle a little bit. <laughs> so I said, I'll keep that in mind. And I've used that whenever I've it looks like all of my adult life I've been raising funds for causes that were supported by those donations. Yeah. But I feel if the person can identify with what their donation does, they're very willing to give. Mm-hmm. We had more sponsors on the Athletic Network than— um, well, let me put it this way. We had all the sponsors we needed, but we didn't add them because it would be extra money. Looking back, maybe we should have done more of that. But I didn't feel that was right because we got to show their exposure a lot more by having fewer sponsors. Right. I right. could go to a sponsor and look them in the eye and talk, answer any questions they want. Mm-hmm. Old-time grocery, I mean, I can't name them enough, all the things that they have done for us, whether it's visitors or reunions of teams who stay over an extra day and they love to go back to old time. And Mm -hmm. I'll say, well, let's go. And um, I'll get us a little place in the back where the patio is. And then on the sly, I get the athletic director, Gerald Hebert, President Savoy, Mm -hmm. and they happen to drop in at that time and break bread with the people who came back. All done by sponsors, you know. Mm -hmm. They know right where their right their donation went. So if people want to look online, where do they go? What's your website? www.athleticnetwork.net. Dot net. That's and the just new. start clicking around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're here again, as I mentioned, with yeah. Jason Sikora, and I know you've been listening with interest. Yeah, these do you are have some any great questions? Stories, I do. Thank you, Janet. Ed, thank you for being here. This is amazing. I have two questions for you, but I just first, uh, athleticnetwork.net, putting together a website in 2002, 
was that, a lot. That was that was early. That was still hand coding. So yeah. so kudos to you guys for doing that. So that was still like early, early internet. So that's fantastic that you've been doing it this long as well, maintaining all of that. You know what? I have to tell you this. It's not just luck. It's not just dedication. It's a lot, a lot of blessings. Mm-hmm. Hey, I had six childhood friends I was very close to. There's two of us left. Mm-hmm. The other guy did not call me for Christmas this year. Uh, I knew something was up. I called him, and his son answered the phone. And that kind of told me what I suspected, you know. So it's it's a lot of things, but you have to be blessed. I, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's great that you did this because as we were discussing before the podcast, this will remain around forever. So 50 years from now, you can go I back to the so. website and it'll at least be archived at, you know, yeah. archive.org. You can go see all this stuff still. Yeah. So that's amazing yeah. that you're putting together this, this massive archive, uh, kind of like what Jana's doing with this podcast. So mm-hmm. what yeah. is this site, archive? The archive.org. Uh, I, I didn't believe, realize yeah, archive.org, that. Um, archives, and they do it on a, on a somewhat regular basis. But Do people have to submit their websites to it? No, or? It, it just it, it has crawlers that goes uh-huh. out and does its own searches. That's good to know. Uh, we, we use it here in the office sometimes when we're looking for old info. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, That's there, good. There's a, the Wayback Machine on archive.org is where you go and you can see all the different crawls and see different versions uh-huh. of websites. Okay. It's, a, it's a useful tool. Ed, do you still go to games? And if so, what sports do you go to? I used to go to all of them okay. because I wanted to see and know the athletes, you know, mm-hmm. um, about the university support. Like athletics will send me a listing of every athlete for every sport for every semester. Mm-hmm. That's how we get our information, see. Um, athletics media, I got to think because they changed their name recently. Athletics media will send me every story about every sport, pre-game, game, game, what have you. Then I look at it and decide what. Now with the new format where I can't, I I may still send out some some newsletters. Like let's say something happens where the cheerleaders are going to have a reunion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be big time on that. And we'll send a newsletter to all the cheerleaders because I can take the cheerleaders where we have maybe, let's say 600 email addresses for cheerleaders what I'll do is I'll send 200, 200, 200, okay. the same email with three, just to make sure I don't get caught in the net that the university has. Yep. So we're going to continue that as much as we can, but we're going to try to convert people over to just go to the site. It's yeah. all there. Go to the site. Uh, do some retooling and say, if you were looking for so-and-so, uh, if you would— Type in a bear and then click a bear. Mm-hmm. Get ready, bring your lunch with you, okay? Because there's going to be a thousand a bears, and you look and say, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." Sammy was in track and field, and on the side of Sammy's name, it'll have track and field sixty-two dash sixty-five. Well, you know that's the one I want. And you click on. Yeah, it. yeah. So, but you still go to games today? <laughs> not really. No, not anymore. We can't. We won't see it at the football games. My my problem is this: if it's if I can get back home in my vehicle. Before dark, I go. Okay. If not, I don't. Reason being that I've I've had health issues lately, and I like to be home if anything is going to occur. It's a fair point. It's mm-hmm. not that my health prevents me from going. 
I, I also find that to make my day complete, uh, it would be nice to go visit and tailgate and sit around and whatever. But if I'm going to go, I'm going to be taking pictures the yeah. whole time. Gotcha. And, um, boy, it's so nice to be able to. We live on five acres. I'm still the caretaker. Five acres is a lot to take care of. That's right. And so I've the lawnmower sport, sport yeah, huh? Yeah. Lawn motor. I've been doing it for 50 years, and I want to continue to do it as long as I uh-huh. can. But um, I can cut grass in September until an hour before the game, take a shower, grab a bite to eat, return some phone calls, emails, um, put up with some of my buddies who had the game wanting to know <laughs> this and that, yeah. and then sit down and put the TV on. And watch the game. There you That's go. That's nice. I can't do that. Yeah. All right, Ed, one one last question. And this sure. is maybe a big one. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of athletics, whether it be mentally, physically, culturally, especially in this town, how important it is, just even for the yeah. community? I'm very, very concerned about the recent directions of athletics. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. We always pass these people off as student athletes. Mm-hmm. Now you need a game program to find out who's playing where. You have bowl games that recently occurred. If I'm not mistaken, Georgia lost 27 players when they played Florida State, who also lost 27 players that were on their teams when the season ended. And because of NIL Mm. and these transfers, people can go and say, I don't like this. I think I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I don't like my coach. I don't like my position coach. I'm going here. And the season isn't quite over yet. They have a lot of work to do in that area because now you have some people who are transferring but who have to decide if they're going to play in a bowl game with their old team. They may get injured, blah, blah, blah. It yeah. goes on and on and on. And college athletics, when it first started, I can remember students when I was in school in the late 50s, early 60s, they made darn sure that their coach never gave them a dime, couldn't buy them a cold drink in the student union. Yeah. I mean, that was unheard of. Mm-hmm. You would get the team put on probation for that. Well, now they're having people who are being accused, the Michigan coach, of hiring out people to go and get on their sideline and take notes. And he says he knew nothing about it. And the coach, for some reason, the assistant who did this, is fired. Mm. Right now, if we have, let's say, eight assistant coaches, we may have another five or six, eight or ten who are called analysts, mm-hmm. who are taking notes, breaking down films all week. And I, I'm getting to where I don't see the difference between that and professional sports. As an example, the young man, I think I'm correct in saying it's Texas, but forgive me, Longhorns, my granddaughter's over there. Uh, he went to Ohio State, signed with them years ago. With the understanding, with the NIL, he was going to get 400 something thousand a year. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking at the quarterback from San Francisco who's under a first-year contract— who may get 
600,000 this year if he's lucky. As a professional proven quarterback, here's a kid mm -hmm. who's dwarfing that salary sight unseen. Mm -hmm. He's unhappy with the way he's treated at Ohio State. He comes back to Texas. And in all those people, they all want to know what's in it for me. Yeah. What is my NFL? That, yeah, that's fair. LSU has a gymnastics <laughs> player now, young yeah, yeah. performer. I think what one point seven million or two point seven. It's I yeah. Lost track. I think it's close to three million. She's gorgeous. Yeah, but yeah, I don't doubt it. But I mean, you, you, they almost need a team of professionals. They 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 do. I guess accountants, attorneys. Yeah, uh, seem to be kind of getting away from the core of college yes. athletics, and it's really yes. becoming this money. Hungry, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit bizarre. You're and right. You know, uh, I don't care what it is. If it's BC, if it's a thousand years ago, if it's five hundred years ago, when money becomes the core, mm -hmm. all other values are diminished greatly. And I'm afraid co college athletics is going to have to get in there and scratch their head real hard. Change this around. They've got to change the transfer portal to mm -hmm. where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't make sense, scrap it. They're going to have to turn around in the NIL. They're going to have to do something there because you have a coach making, let's say, 200000 a year who's trying to tell a young man, 18 years old, who's making a million a year, what he needs to do to get his life in order. It's not, it's not going to work. <laughs> no, you're right. You're it's right. not going to work. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out yeah. over the next few years. But uh, Think about Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing. I mean, yeah. you know, he got everything. Yeah. He, yeah. he was living yeah. his dream and what the Heisman. What interests that, him or what motivates him now, you know? Yeah. And th eventually they're going to go back to helping others and to be more charitable and not putting I and me in the head of mm -hmm. un everything and understanding sometimes you go along to get along, you become part of a team effort. Yeah. And yeah. To, to me, that's where the value is. I tell you what, I'm so fortunate that everything we did on the athletic network was based on contributing your time and your talents. Mm -hmm. No money involved at all except our sponsors because there was some technology bills that we had. Yeah, right? yeah. You got to pay a few bills, yeah. But for exactly. the first year or so, I used my home computer, yeah. uh, my monitor, everything, my own phone. I've never—I've gone in town hundreds of times before and bought lunch for former athletes and had great visit with, with them and what have you. I would never think of sending a university— Hey, here's, here's, <laughs> here's my, my invoice, in, here's yeah. my invoice <laughs> yeah, for exactly. last month, you know? <laughs> no, that diminishes the gift. And, and I'm so glad it was done the way it was done because everyone who did what they did, they did it for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. I remember Dean Church, who I talked about, and he was my basketball captain. Uh, Jim Dahl in football was, was my football captain. Um, Dean Church would leave Luling— and come here if we had a 9 o'clock meeting, he would leave in a fog at 7 o'clock or 6.30 to make that meeting because he had that commitment. Yeah. And that's what made it so good. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that's great. Well, Ed, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Jan, as always, thank you for letting me thank ask some you. questions. Thank you, Jason. I want to thank you and Raider for opening up this beautiful studio. And Dr. Ed Duga, what, what an honor. Oh. To listen to your voice and have you share your story, especially about 
the genesis of the athletic network. I mean, it's a beautiful story. So thank you so much for your time and, and your talent. It's a treasure. Well, y'all are very kind. Yeah. I appreciate it very much. <laughs> and you. I enjoyed being here. Y'all brought up stuff that I hadn't thought about for well, years. Well, <laughs> good, good. And I want to thank our listeners for your loyal support. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit discoverlafayette.net to look at our archive of over 360 interviews. We're um, very proud of the people we've, we've had on the show. I also want to thank our new sponsor, Vimed. We appreciate their support and look forward to partnering with them and learning more about what they offer. Thank you for listening to Discover Lafayette. This is Jan Swift. 